Welcome back to LaMagicast, everybody. This is Greg, and I have not one, but two Sams joining me today. As we start off 2020, we're going to take a look back at 2010 to 2019. Hopefully, get a lot of good Roma nostalgia and build a lot towards some successful seasons coming up for Roma ahead. Sam R., Sam B., Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. Uh, Yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. Greg, uh, uh, it's, uh, Greg, it's so great uh, being uh, behind the mics with you again. Um, we've been talking yes, about sir. this for a little while, finally doing it again, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely good to uh, to, to get back on here and uh, you know continue working through the plans to push out the Magicast as uh, as frequently uh, as we can. Um, and what better time to do it than uh, you know the end of a, of a decade? And we're you know in and around that ten year mark for the Magicast as well. Uh, so it's really good timing uh, to kind of kickstart this and uh, and talk about uh, you know our, our our favorite Roma. So before we get into the nostalgia, let's just do a little bit on the present day. I think it's uh, it's fair for us to kind of look at the the first half of the season so far and and uh, give some expectations uh, uh, on what lies ahead, but also look back at at what we've done so far. Uh, Sam B. What do you think of this team? Is this a team that that is uh, that has a shot at winning? Is this a team that's perfectly positioned to just be a Champions League, uh, you know, rider? Or what, what are your thoughts on this team uh, based on what you've seen so far? I think this team is definitely starting to look like one that can compete for trophies in the in short to long, in the medium term. Sorry, um, I think compared to what we went through last season. I think Paolo Fonseca has done a brilliant job in terms of restoring the belief and building some kind of team spirit that makes us think that this is a Roma that look comfortable in the top four now. It's it's not a given that we'll finish in the top four, but I feel much more confident about it this year than I did last season. Obviously, last season didn't work out for us. But I think after that uncertain season in the summer, we're thinking, could this be a transitional year? Are we going to struggle? Right. But I think this year we've done really well so far. And uh, it looks like we're putting in the uh, the groundwork for future success, I'd say. Um, no, it's a really solid points. Sam R., um, what about you? Um, just building on, the, on what Sam said, um, I believe uh, uh, Fonseca has added uh, this this team, you can see this new character on the team, this new green that maybe we were missing in the last few years. Um yeah, it's been positive. He settled himself uh, in Italy very well. It's only been six months, and, and we're excited to see w- w- where we're going because I mean we're, we ended up with the year in a positive note, and, and you know I think we're all we're all eager to see where uh, where this ride takes us for the remaining of the season. Yeah, exactly. I think there's been definitely some uh, some improvements in in the mentality, right? We, we've talked ad nauseum, you know, on on the podcast, on Twitter, on in blogs, you know, uh, the players in the newspapers, everything, all about the mentality of what it takes to play for Roma. And I think there's uh, you know, some, been some really good changes and some really good. Um, 
you know, the application of those changes by by the players and the staff alike, because it's uh, it's across the board. And and yeah, you know, we're Roma, right? So there have been missteps, there have been points dropped that that you know at the end of the year may and likely will cost us something. Um, but I think. You know, all the points that, that you, you both made, and I look at, you know, the future, especially, you know, Sam B, when you're talking about how it positions us for the future, and you start looking at the actual ages of some of these players, I think progress has to be a significant uh, metric that we, we look at, right? Is, is the team better, you know, tomorrow than they are today, right? And that's, uh, that's, what that's what I'm looking for. At the end of the season, I want to know that we're a better team at the end of the season than we were at the start. And then that leads us into the next season and the off season of just having to try and figure out, okay, what are the key pieces we need to get us to the next level, as opposed to going through, you know, our, our traditional kind of overhaul of, uh, of rosters. Yeah. And I think that's definitely All right. a good point so, about, okay. about the, um, the promising players that we've gotten how it does look like it will be better at the end of the season compared to the start. There's a lot of young players, a lot of talent there. Things like seeing the way that Lorenzo Pellegrini's improved this year, just in Clive that's making improvements to his game. And it's those kind of little things that make him excited for the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are Cristante coming back to fitness hopefully soon. Uh, Chengis Under, although there is some talks of Chengis Unders recently, you know, but uh, yeah, I agree with you guys. The, the, the youth on this team is what, is what makes it look like, like it could happen for the future for us, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's important that you have that foundation um, and you, you have the ability to kind of build on top of it. And I think, um, you know, the, the mixture of, of bringing Jekko back and, and uh, you know, what Kolarov has done from a, you know, a veteran presence and a, st a stabilizing kind of force. And, and you, you really kind of get a, a good sense of, uh, uh, you know, of the, of the mix that you really want to have now, which which is great. Great for Roma, but, you know, looking at the landscape of what, you know, some of the other teams are able to do in terms of the, the players and the names and, and skill levels and experience that they can bring in, obviously that's the gap, right? That's the gap that's always been the problem for Roma. You know, when you, you know, as we get into this conversation around, uh, you know, the, the last decade, the decade prior, you know, you look at some of the results, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride coming second place so many times uh, from, you know, 2002 to, to the end of the decade after winning uh, the, old, you know, 2000-2001 season. Um, you know, th those rosters really didn't compare on paper to a lot of the uh, opponents that they were playing against. And then we're in a similar situation now where we're keeping up with, with the rest of the folks, but, um, you know, we're not able to bring in every possible big name. You know, we're bringing in guys that are young, that have a tremendous amount of potential uh, that we're hoping that can, um, you know, be that next thing that we, you know, we don't have to sell off. Should we ever, 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 ever finish the stadium and all of that? Yeah, just just pop in anything like uh, you want to talk about the you know the uh, the stadium uh, situation. Does anybody have an update on that? I mean, like I uh, every every time I hear it's being back thrown in front of some other panel and and it's it's a, it's approved but not not ever actually happening. Does anybody, does anybody have any info on that? Uh, it's getting to that point where you don't know what to believe anymore. 
right? Yeah, that's exactly right. All the different updates you get, whether it's been approved or not, or what even what site it's going to be on, just keeps changing all the time. Every every single little update. So who knows? <laughs> Do you guys feel that's one of the reasons why maybe Palota said this is it? I think I think definitely. Um, I think he's always had it in his mind that he wanted some progress at least to be made on the stadium by the turn of the decade. And obviously, we've not arrived at that point. I think that does have an impact on on his position as presidency because he has built his his reputation here on this promise of a stadium. And he's tried really hard for it and it's not come off as of yet. And I think that will definitely be playing on his mind as he's making this decision as we're going through these talks about a takeover. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. And, and I honestly, I wouldn't blame him, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the whole plan was, as you mentioned, was built around getting that stadium built so that they could have a better, a more equal footing from a financial position. Um, but but not having, not being able to get that done and taken care of, then it's, you know, we don't really have a choice when it comes to the end of the year in, in a lot of ways, but, but to, you know, to move some players around. And and that makes it very difficult. I mean, he's, he was always open and pretty honest about, you know, what it was that uh, needed to be a part of the plan in order for the team to reach the heights that they had set for themselves. I think they've done a wonderful job, and we've talked about it on, on the podcast before, um, from a marketing and branding perspective. I mean, they do a phenomenal job. I mean, the, the Twitter account alone is has reached legendary status, uh, you know, on, on social media. Um, so they've done a really good job uh, from that perspective because they're they've done it before, right? This isn't their first rodeo with sports teams, so they they kind of understand how to how to manipulate and move around in the space. But when you've got the biggest thing that you're counting on providing the back financial backing for, um, you know, helping the the team uh, move forward and and bringing the the higher quality players. Uh, in order to compete, right? I mean, they're, they're bringing in these players that they that they have brought in who are, are good, and the team and the organization has done things that, uh, you know, getting to the semifinals of, of Champions League with with a roster that, you know, doesn't equal the, their opponents on the other side. I mean, it's amazing. Um, but that's kind of been the, the, the draw and the problem with being a fan of Roma is they give you just enough to dream, uh, but there's just not enough, you know, on the back end to to kind of see it through. And it's it's frustrating because you know how good they can be. Um, but but often, uh, again, due to that, that either whether it's depth or just overall quality that they they fall short. So Sam R., um, what, what do you think uh, as the possibilities for um, moving on from Pelota and, and does that improve our chances of getting the, you know, the stadium actually built? Yeah, when the, with the stadium situation, it's just a very tough one. Uh, Dan Friedkin, the Friedkin group, they should, they should know what they're getting their, themselves into, right? Uh, Pelota won't be the first or the last to fall to the Italian right. bureaucracy or whatever you call it, right? Uh, Hopefully, hopefully it happens. Hopefully it happens. Um, it's tough in Rome, you know. In Rome, it's always going to be tough. Um, yeah, I think I'm. Listen, the only thing that I'm a little bit skeptical about is that Friedkin doesn't. They don't really have a history, like you just mentioned of, with Palota, of running sports teams. I think they have their name on some of the state, the Rocket sta Houston Rocket Stadiums, some stuff like that. But they're not. Have, they have not really managed a team before, and that's why I'm a little bit skeptical about it. But listen, look at the positive, right? What do you team Sam B? I think it's always going to take 
time before we can tell how a, a new president, new ownership is going to act, especially when we're not sure about the history in sports. Um, you know, as you say, you've got to be a little bit sceptical, but at the same time, you don't want to judge them badly before they've even had a chance to prove themselves. I'd like to think that, that Friedkin coming in can carry on the negotiations about the stadium and that he can show some kind of knowledge about the sport and make some good business decisions as well. But you can never judge it until they've had a good year, few years to actually prove themselves with the decisions they have made. If for whatever it's worth, um, according to Forbes, that freaking group comes with a deeper pocketbook um, than Palota. Yeah, I, I think it. You know, you always wind up with the. Uh, but will they be allowed to use it? Right? Like, who knows how deep Pelota could have gone? Um, you know, if if things went his way, I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's. You know, I, I remember the 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 first time around when we went through all this. It was all kind of exciting because we thought we were going to be, you know, one of the one of the big spenders and. Um, and we did all right. And, and Pelota's done, he's done all right. I mean, there's obviously he has his detractors as much as he has his fans. And, um, I, I, I met the guy once, uh, in Philadelphia when, when the team was playing there, um, with, uh, with some, my, of our Canadian, uh, Roma fan friends and, uh, the Roma club, Philadelphia guys, um, And and he was, he's funny. He's, he's just he's very direct. He's very honest. And and he was telling us about we we were talking with him about the you know when is it going to be when can we get better merch available in the U.S. and and he went off for about like five to seven minutes on on Nike um, and how like they said you know no one's going to buy our stuff we're not going to put in we're not going to provide you know put it in the stores and you know it's like we've been selling this bleep out you know left right and center and they won't bleep and listen to me and uh, it, it was funny like just to hear him be so like i mean we're we're you know three random guys in the in the hotel stalking the team and then he goes in to tell us you know the the inner workings of uh, of of Roma and and Nike apparel Um, but, uh, you know, I, I honestly believe that he, he had all the best of intentions and felt like this was a great opportunity financially for, for him and, and a way to help the team. And, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what somebody else comes in and if they run into the same kind of roadblocks that, that he did, because, uh, you know, deeper pockets may get us, you know, a better player here or maybe prevents us from having to sell, you know, if, if FFP doesn't come into play. Um, but it's always going to be, you know, much more about the system than I think the, you know, the, the people trying to run the team, the system in Rome, that is. And from what, from what we hear, um, the new group is going to leave everything in place as it is right now, right? Uh, I, that's, that's as much as I've been able to gather, but I, I, I'm not quite as uh, probably up to speed on it as you all are. Yeah, it's been uh, hard to keep up with everything recently. Um, Yeah, as far as I'm aware, yeah. And Sam B, what, what if you you've been working for for the site for a spell? Is that is that true? Is that correct? Yes, it am is, I remembering yeah. that correctly? Yeah, that's tell, right. Tell us what what that experience is like working with uh, with the Roma site, and well, writing been, content. It's been amazing for me because um, 
they actually asked me to do it. That's great. Um, rather than me proposing to them, but they asked me to do some regular columns about the women's team, mm-hmm. which um, I think it's important for everybody to, to support all aspects of the club. So yep, I've an opportunity on and um, really enjoying that, writing regular reports from as well. And then also writing every now and then, uh, excuse me, every now and then about the men's team. So my first piece for Roma's website was about Cengiz Under. Mm-hmm. And I've had one, two, three about the men's team since. Awesome. Um, That's great. And yeah, they're um, a really supportive team, really, um, in terms of giving me the space, the platform for me to write and that's a really enjoyable thing for me. That's great. I, I mean, I think that's just another thing that, uh, you know, that's, that's gone on and, and changed certainly over the last 10 years um, is, is just the accessibility, right. To the, to the team, to the organization, to participate. Uh, I, I think that that's phenomenal. And, and, you know, you, you want your fans to, uh, to stay fans, right. And, and if you have people that, that are engaged and, you know, Sam, uh, R and I were talking about uh, Paul Rogers, uh, earlier and what a fantastic job he's done and, and, and how he's reached out to folks. And, um, you know, it's, it's really great. And I, I think, uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, positivity, you know, from that perspective going forward. So if they are going to be keeping things, uh, the same from, from there, I think that's great. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's dive into the last decade. Let's, let's look at, all the the good and the bad um, from the last ten years. Uh, what what what? When you look back, just holistically, looking back at, at you know 2010 to to 2019, um, obviously there there were some real close uh, opportunities there. Um, what, what's the one thing or, or the few things that, that really kind of stick out in your, well, let's, let's leave Toti retiring out of it for the moment. What, what, what are some of the things that stick out in your mind? Uh, Sam R, start with you. Um, two moments, obviously the Barcelona game, that's going to be uh, in the top of everybody's list. The uh, Totis, remember the uh, Torino match when he came out the last five minutes, scored a couple of goals, gave us the victory. Those are the two moments that is, just stick out of my mind. Just thinking mm-hmm. about the last decade, uh, the Totti Torino game and the victory against Barcelona. Right? It would be Sandy. exactly the same two for me if I had to pick two out as well. They were the first two that came to mind. I remember I was actually there in the stadium for the Barcelona game. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's awesome. You, you just signed up for about five minutes of talking about that that's night. Great. And go. <laughs> I was there for the round before against Shakhtar, but not, not nearly as exciting. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, what, um... what was that experience like? I mean, what was the. I mean, did you like, going into it? I mean, are you just sitting there like hitting hope and like where you're, you've got some you're you're hopeful, but at the same point in time, you're you're trying to be realistic and, and understanding the the task at hand, and then and all of a sudden, like you know, the first goal goes in. Did, was was the crowd? You know, could you could you sense you know some of that change or or what what was the atmosphere like in there? And when did it really kind of you know the the tide turn where you felt like you know, oh my gosh, we're, we're about to do something incredible here. I think the atmosphere was, was constant, really, really oh, positive awesome. from the start. There was always the belief, whether it was just faith or a no. genuine belief that we could 
go on to get something out of it. Um, personally, going into it, I was like, well, I've wanted to get back to the stadium for a long time. It had been four years since my last visit. So I was just looking forward to being there. Wasn't too optimistic about the match after how the first leg had gone. But then as soon as the, the first goal goes in from Jekko, you just start to think, and with the crowd on side, mm-hmm. I think that really had an impact on how the team performed. I think the turning point for me would be at half-time. We'd, um, we were only 1-0 up by then, but I just felt, you could feel at half-time, there was something around the stadium, I don't know how to describe it, but you could feel there was just that sense that you could, that Rome could get something out of this. And uh, obviously we all know what happened next. It's just an incredible experience. Right. After yeah, that, after the penalty, that the Rossi goal, that's when for me it was like, whoa, this might this might actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it just it it really was something special, and uh, I didn't get to watch the game live. Um, and so I, I was extremely disciplined with my social media and friend notifications and people just like, you know, banging up my, uh, my phone. Um, and, uh, I watched it, you know, later and I just, I, I was, I think because it was delayed and I, there was so much, in, you know, stuff flying back and forth, uh, that I was trying to avoid that it just seemed almost surreal. Um, like it, it wasn't actually happening. Uh, but you know, and then again, you know, I'm, I'm still hoping the entire world, you know, of, of Roma fans or, or soccer fans or football fans are, are either in shock and upset or in shock and delighted by, by this result. And, and I'm just starting the game, you know, pretty much at that point. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really, really special, and you know, it's it's always special when in big games when uh, when you get those people that kind of define the team a little bit. And you know, Manolas uh, was you know very much Roman, right? He he very much was you know a huge part of that team and and the identity of that team, um, and it showed, right? And it showed in his celebration. Um, and so that's why one of my moments when I look back at the last ten years is the the Balzaretti goal. Um, when he just bursts into tears and, and cause it's almost, it's like he's realized what he's done. Um, in that was that the moment. derby right after the, the, the Coppa Italia final loss, right? That was the following derby. Yes, I, I think so. I think so. I'm not going to actually throw down and say it's absolutely that match. I, I don't, I don't quite uh, remember, but, um, but, uh, but just like, that 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 feeling, right? That emotion, um, and and just everything that that comes out of playing for this team and doing something special. He was not a long tenured player, right? Like you say, it's, he's barely been on the team, but he understood in the moment against that team for this team what that means and how special that is. Um, and then and another one that I, that I have is uh, the goal De Rossi scored um, in Garcia's first match, right? Uh, very slow game. Against Livorno. That's the, yeah, that's the first game after the, the, uh, the Copa loss, right? So, um, 
and uh, or for the for that new season, and and just it was a, it was a terrible game. Like, that was honestly, the start of the run too. To remember, that that, I think that's when we won ten games, ten straight games. Remember to start that. That season. started it. Yeah, that started it. Yep. And and uh, but it was it was so so slow. Uh, start of the game, and it was a new coach. We had a lot, you know, some roster turnover, and nobody really. I remember Lamela was on the bench, bench, ready to go to Tottenham. Yeah, 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 and uh, and and I just I remember the it was like the myself and everybody else that <laughs> that cared had just this massive exhale when that ball hit the back of the net, and I remember there's the picture of Sabatini, you know, like looking just. So exhausted, but yet somewhat satisfied. Like, like, thank goodness that happened, or else I, I don't know if I'd make it through the night. And it just it started something special. And that team, uh, you know, went on just a fantastic run. Sam R, as you as you mentioned, uh, to start off the season. And you know, it's unfortunate that the, you know, they they couldn't make the adjustments. Uh, you know, through, throughout to, to keep it going, but it was still a fantastic year. And, the, and there were some great, great moments in, in that season alone. Um, but those, those two moments. If I'm um, not mistaken, I'm sorry to cut you off, Greg. Uh, I feel, I think that we finished with 85 points that season. That would have been good enough any other year for, for to finish up there in the Escudetto, right? Race. Yeah, yeah, that, no, absolutely. That's the year 100%. Juventus made 102 I mean, points. We had a record year. The only problem was, so did Juve, right? 102 <laughs> points. Is, What's that? They they had a hundred and two points, Juventus. How do you yeah, compete with yeah, that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and that's 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 just Roma's luck, right? That's just the what we sign up for when when we're a fan of this team is even when they go out and and break all sorts of records, there's you know randomly going to be somebody else out there that's going to do it just a little bit better. Um, I think a, an honorable mention moment for me is the loss to Samp. Um, Uh, in when they were chasing uh, Inter and had that opportunity to, you know, to, to hold on there at the end. And that that's obviously memorable for on, on a down note, but it's it's still an indelible moment for me for when I look back, at, uh, you know, at some of this time frame, because um, uh, that was that was just a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. Oh, yeah. That's one of the toughest ones to swallow. Uh, remember, we had a rule of not talking about it on this podcast. Uh, we're going to break that rule just because of the decade. Well, we're you know, we're, we're going to break it just just for, for remembrance sake. We're uh, we're hitting a little nostalgia here. And, um, you know, it's just something that, you know, when I look back, it, it, it just I remember. I mean, to be fair, I, I remember the uh, Luca Tony goal, uh, you know, almost as, as much. So. Yeah. Oh my goodness! What's another of low point of the of the, of, of the decade? The Coppa Italia final, right? That loss. That's another big one for me. Yeah. May twenty sixth, two thousand thirteen. See that that one I just completely put out of memory. <laughs> that one's a rough one. Yeah, for sure. All right. What about you, Sam B? What's uh, what, what's something that's you know not necessarily on the positive side, but that you know every once in a while you know you'll you'll see something that reminds you of of that and that just you know makes you want to go find a garbage pail and throw up in it i'd say the um the seven one against well it's been the one against Bayern and the one against Fiorentina last season um i'll i'll talk about the one against Fiorentina because that was okay. painful to watch we were in such a bad moment mm -hmm. we'd lost by big score lines before 
but it had always been to really strong teams, the likes of yeah, Man U, Bayern, Man United. Yep. Uh, yep. So to lose to a Fiorentina team that were struggling at the time themselves, it just that felt like that game was never going to end. <laughs> they were never going to stop coming at us and stop scoring. I think that was a really painful one to watch. That Fiorentina side was nothing special. No, no, and that's you know again that's that's probably Roma's specialty is uh, you know playing up or down to their to their competition, which is great when it's on the upside, terrible when it's on the downside, and and you know too often than than not, you know those those are the games that you drop points on, even if you draw, but if you, you're, you're dropping points when everybody else is coming away with a win, it's like, uh, you know, in, in the North American football trading uh, field goals for touchdowns, right? Like you're both scoring, but the other team's getting just a little bit more than you um, and you can't catch up that way. And it's, it's just very, very difficult. And uh, just something that we've seen, we've seen too much of, which is why when we started the pod and we were talking about the mentality changes and some of the improvements in that area, you know, I, that's that's really where I'm kind of you know hopeful and and trying to to hang my hat on uh, as we look forward to uh, the deck uh, the next uh, the next series of uh, of games for the rest of the season. Who who's your non? Well, first of all, is is who's your player of the of the decade? Uh, and and if it's Totti, let's think of another one. <laughs> Sam B, you wanna you wanna take this one first? Yeah, um, you have to give me a minute. I have to think. Too many players. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another problem with being a Roma fan. I'll, I'll, of, I'll take I'll take from. this one fair. For me, it's uh, no doubt about it. It's Edin Seco. That's, that's a very good choice. He got here yeah. at, what twenty fifteen. Yeah. His first year wasn't very wasn't great, but then he took off, and he's been leading this team since then. Yep. Yeah, I I'm I don't know that I can I can uh uh you know find somebody that I would I would disagree with or that that I would pick uh in in a larger favor over Jekko. I, I think he had you know there there was definitely a lot of concerns. I'm fairly certain on a pod we were like he's not the guy we need. Um but uh you know he's come in and um reclaimed form and done a great job. He showed a desire and a willingness to stay here and to be here, which I think is super important um, for any team, of course, but certainly uh, for for Roma. And I think that's a great pick. I think Jacko has always stepped up when we've needed him the most. So he's had a lot of good times and some bad times. But yep. whenever the pressure's on, whenever we need a focal point, he's always been there. And I think that's why, as you say, he would emerge as the player of the decade because for the, the five years that he's been here, he's always come up with the goods when we needed them and carried us through to get those results. Yep. Where, you know, historically, you know, for his entire career, that would always uh, have to be number 10. And, and even in, you know, the, the waning, you know, years of his career, I mean, like Sam R just talked about with the uh, Torino game. I mean, there was a stretch there during that season where he was like super subbing the crap out of every game. 
uh, you know, in, in Spalletti's last year there where he would come in and, and do just something magical. It was like three, four games in a row, I think, uh, where he would come in and, and just, you know, do something to, to do it. But you need more than that, right? For so many years, they, they relied on him and were waiting for him to do that, that special thing that he does. Um, and so the fact that there's a new person that's providing that same kind of play to a different degree in different ways, um, but but Sam B, as you talk about, you know, always coming up with the goods at the right time, being in the right place. Um, sometimes it's starting the comeback. Sometimes it's finishing the comeback, but he's always responsible. And he plays his role extremely well. He holds the ball up. He makes the defenders come to him. You, you have players like, uh, you know, the, the wingers that have, have come up and, and done really well, and some have moved on, but some have stayed. Um, but largely because of the fact that they've had that, that center tentpole that the entire offense can kind of revolve around. When you have somebody of that size and, and the skill level that he does have, as a defense, you have to pay attention to that. And so that gives everybody else just more room and time and space to to do what they do very well. I remember in um, an interview that Gianluca Mancini did recently, the, um, the fan Q&A when he did with the club website, he actually said that for him as a defender, the hardest striker he's played against is Dzeko. And it's just an example of how difficult he is for opponents because as much as he is a target man and he can hold the ball and he does that very well, He's also someone who drifts between the lines. He's not yep. an out-and-out number nine. He likes to yep. drop deep and get on the ball. And by getting into those little spaces, it makes it really difficult for the defenders. He's got a great weak foot. So it's just a really useful focal point that that we've been able to build around. Yeah, and he works too. The, the guy works. He's always hustling, always moving, chases balls. Like, you know, if a ball comes in and it's, you know, down the, the alley a little bit, you know, he, he runs after it. He always chases the ball down. Um, it's it's a guy that you're you're like, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm really happy that he's on my team. I think that he uh, represents the team quite well um, and, uh, and and does it does it justice. He's he's earned. Uh, you know the the contract, the, the new contract, and he's earned everything that he's gotten here. Um, and he could have gone, and he could have gone back to the Premier League. He could have gone to some of these other places, but he chose to stay. And uh, it's not that it's it's easier to play here. Um, you know, it's at times uh, quite difficult uh, in Italy to play. And but he's he's comfortable, and he's he's found a good rhythm, and uh, and an organization that appreciates what he does. And I think that's. That's really important for a you know a, a top quality player for any player, but obviously uh, a little bit more so for for those top quality players. Exactly, um, Greg. What are some of the other honorable mentions? Yeah, I think Nangolin has to be in the picture. Um, I know he kind of left a little bit unceremoniously, uh, but there is zero doubt in my mind that he was largely responsible for the turnaround that. Uh, you know, when, once he joined the team, um, you know, his, his play in the he midfield. Made an he came, came uh, mid-season, if I'm not mistaken. He made an impact right away. 
Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And he, he just, you know, his ability to box the box and, and you know, the, the defensive plays and then, a, you know, bouncing right back up and, and moving the ball, um, you know, shots at range, uh, the, the, the Grinta that we, we'd always, always wanted from our midfield. And again, that, that midfield that he played, that he was a part of, um, you know, when Strutman was, was healthy, uh, with Dorossi, with Pjanic and, and, you know, all, all these, I, I think there was overlap there. Um, but, but all, all those guys were, uh, you know, just such a, such a phenomenal, you know, midfield crew. Um, and in my, estimation the the better Roma's midfield is the better Roma will be I mean I know you can say that about a lot of teams but it seems to be just a little bit have a little bit more uh truth for Roma um and uh and so just what what he did to to the team I think was uh, was was extremely extremely impactful. Um, I think Manolas, uh, like we talked about earlier, uh, was a guy that that you know played a lot of seasons. Became you know they become Roman, right? The, those two players they 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 became Roman during their their times here, and um, you know basically took on everything and anything and everything that we would expect uh, from from a player uh, that that plays for for Rome. Uh, those are just a couple off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let you both kind of chime in with with some additional players uh, that that you think about. I think if we're um, looking at people who maybe had a short term impact and they won't go down as legends in the way that that Jack or will. So, but I think um, the performances of Mohamed Salah in the years we had him absolutely help bring the best out of Jacko as well. Absolutely. Um, I was always really excited for that signing as soon as we saw the pictures of him in training with us. Because remember, he'd played against us for Fiorentina the year before and yep. torn us apart. And then to have him come in, he made a huge difference. As I say, linking up with Jekko and everything. So it's a shame to see him move on after two years, but I think we didn't really have a realistic chance of keeping him. But he was probably one of my favourite players to watch in the decade. For me, also, um, Kolarov, Alexander Kolarov deserves, uh, to ma- deserves a mention here. He's been stellar since he came to our team. I know he has a pass. He wore the other colors in the past. Yes. He, he's come over here. He has 120, 112 appearances, 17 goals, 18 assists, and he's been a big impact. No? I mean, you can, you can make the argument that maybe defensively he hasn't been up to par lately, but he's been instrumental for Roma. He's got big wins. He's got big goals with, for us. No? He's been doing it for a couple of years now. No, I, I I completely agree. I mean, the guy's been uh, a, you know a, a veteran presence on on the wing that um, you know that we've really really needed. It just has that uh, understanding of of how to play the game, and uh, you know when we when we lost Pjanic, and and there goes our you know <laughs> thoughts and hopes of at least a you know <laughs> a chance at a goal every time there was a, a free kick in the area. Um, you know, he came in and, and you know, once he uh, arrived and, and put that danger back in the game, and he's been phenomenal from that perspective. But, you know, he's he's really good at, at you know, crossing the ball. He's good at controlling the ball. He, again, it's just a, a veteran calmness about the way that he plays the game. And, yes, there are defensive miscues. Uh, I think every <laughs> – there's very few um, – 
you know, really good going forward fullbacks that, that are like exceptional uh, on the back end as well. And I think he's been more than serviceable in that regard. Um, there are times where, where his age kind of probably gets uh, the better of, of his positioning. Um, but uh, by and large, he's been, he's been fantastic uh, joining the team. And we're probably forgetting like 9 million great players um, that have played for Romo over the last 10 years. Cause again, the list is, quite extensive um but now you know i'm just trying to make it you know i'm trying not to fall for the the recency bias um and trying to think of some uh you know some some past players that you know somewhere you know along the lines of salah you also have um oh christ now i'm fucking uh i'm, I'm brain farting here but uh, allison um you know Allison was a phenomenal goaltender uh, for his time with Roma. Um, really kind of kept us in a lot of games that we probably didn't deserve to be in um, until we, you know, started to right the ship. And then, uh, you know, it's, again, you, you look at these players that there's, there's a reason why they moved on, right? Because they are uh, of that level, of that skill, of that quality. And we would love to be able to keep them, but, you know, there's, bigger paychecks, you know, waiting them out there. And, and it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, for, for a one year, it was one year. Well, he was, he was, he was, well, one year starter, one year backup. But on that starter year, I mean, he was truly world-class. He probably himself, he got us eight, 10 points by himself, single-handedly. Yeah. Yep. Um, I I remember him making a mistake at all in that season. Every game yeah, but it just it really it really was it really was uh, amazing to watch and and but that you know I, I think one of the things that um, that gets missed a lot is um, that you, you what that does to the players in front of a goalie your defense gets more confident and and the communication starts to improve and all of a sudden you know, that you're, you're starting to build the team, you know, out from the back, which is kind of what you want, right? You don't want to be so top heavy um, because, you know, the, the entire game's not, not played up there. So it just, you can start to see the, the confidence and the improvements of the players uh, around him. And I think uh, like an Emerson Palmieri kind of player, um, you know, was coming off injuries and was like, you yeah, know, he might be pretty good. Uh, but you know, it gets, gets in, in around some of these teams and, and the team starts playing well. And then you start to see, um, you know, exactly what that kind of confidence does, knowing that you have this, this absolute rock, uh, behind you in, in net. And I, I think that I don't want to, you know, understate that point for, for the team. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys get a chance to, to look at the Roma's uh, 11 for the decade? I mean, some of the names that we've been using, right? You, I'll go. I'll go over there really fast. Uh, we got Allison yeah. Becker and Goli. The four defenders are Kolarov, Marquinhos, Manolas, and Florenzi. And the midfielders we have Ninja, Nangolan, Daniele De Rossi, Emil Olimpianic. As forwards we have Edin Seco, Francesco Totti, and Mohamed Salah. I couldn't make the argument that um, El Sharawi might have been there t- as well, huh? I, I, I know. If, looking at the numbers. Over. Over who? Over Salah, maybe, but Salah's imp- impact was very big. But looking at the numbers, um, I, I actually have him in front of me. Uh, El Sharawi had 40 goals, 25 assists on his time in Rome. Um, 
Salah had 34 goals, 22 assists. El Sharawi had more goals and more assists. That's something. Yeah, but in right? like in, in half the time, though, right? Uh, well, Salah had 83 matches. Uh, well, yeah, El Sharawi had 102. A little, 20 more matches, yeah. Like maybe another season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was. I mean, if he was, if, if we he really was a think about it, he's the reason. He's the reason we're in Europa League at least this ball, year. But... He was big next last year. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference as well between when we're talking about someone like Salah, who performed well in a successful Roma team, and Al Sharawi, who last season it wasn't a successful team that we had, right. but he stepped up. And yeah, points, as you say, were valuable into us getting into Europe. So that's a great point. quality wasn't as much over the time, he definitely earned the sense of appreciation, I think. For sure. Yeah. What do you guys think about Marquinhos making the list? He, he, for me, it was hard. For me, it was hard because he was only here one year, right? I mean, the only exception maybe Allison because he's truly world class. Marquinhos really good. You could have made an argument that Benatia could have been there also. Maybe Leo Castan. What do you guys think? I would definitely have picked Benatia over Marquinhos. Yes, yeah, a solid argument. I mean, just more more time. I mean, he he was the reason that we, you know, defensively that that we had that great streak and start, and we're such a dominant defensive force. His his anticipation, like, say whatever you want about you know the the final third when you know he's playing deep and all that. He was fine. He was very good, very good uh, in the air as well. Greatest terms of anticipation when they're pressed up and they're standing above the box, um, and he's he's preventing the plays before they get started, and I think that's been one of the things that the the team has missed the most since uh, since he left, and why defensively the team has not been um, you know overall as good as as that team was. And now he had the the you know perfect compliments in you know Marquinhos and. Eventually, Castan, uh, but with the um, Rossi also and, remember forming that triangle that was so great. Yeah, yeah, and it just it, it just so you just you have that kind of the right you know it's it's old Herb Brooks line and I've probably used it a thousand times on this podcast. Um, it's it's not the best players, it's the right ones, right? And and they they had the right ones in in you know certain positions, certain places, certain times. Um, you'd love to be able to sit there and say, "There, I give me the defense from that team, the wingers from that team, the mid central midfielders from that team, and the up front from from this one." Um, obviously, it doesn't work that way, but I think Benatia was just in, incredible, and I, I was I was personally crushed when uh, when we lost him. Yeah, yeah. I he went Ruger in a bad way, also, also he left. Uh, right? Exceptional. Um, as a in terms of like center backs for for Roma during during the last ten years. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, we we're pretty much we pretty much agree on the on the on that eleven. Maybe Benatia, well, let's, let's talk about the the you know the the large elephant in the room. Our right back situation. We yeah. we had one good one. One year was that Mykon did well. Well, that was the season, the pre World Cup. Remember, 
What's that? There was a season for Mike uh, Mike on the thirteen fourteen, the first season of Rudy yeah, Garcia. Yeah. The pre hey, listen, I don't care why he was good. <laughs> as, as long as he was good. Um, but I just think that, that we have yet to I, – I feel like we had one good one one year or a couple years that was not him. But that has always, always been a, a rough spot for us, so much so that Florenzi had to – you know, originally it was injuries – uh, but basically changed positions to uh, to play there. Cassetti, if I'm not mistaken, started the decade as right back, right? Yes, he did, yeah. I think he stayed until about, was it 2012, I think? Yeah. Um, I don't know that you went, think of him necessarily the for this decade as much as you would the first run of Spalletti. Uh, where he had his, you know, largest amount of success, but it just always seems to be we can't we can't find the right, you know, person. I mean, I'm not going to talk about that one guy we got from Torino at all. Um, that was an absolute disaster. Bruno um, he's back in yeah. the team right now. What's that? He's back with the team right now. Because the the loan is over. Correct. Yeah. Well, we'll ship him out soon. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to me. And I know it's, it's, you know, not, it's often a, a difficult kind of slot to fill, uh, across organizations, but that's just always been one that I'd look at and I'm like, Oh, all right, we'll use that guy. And, and, you know, Florenzi's a great hustler. Um, you know, he's always going to give his all for the team. He's absolute crap at crossing the ball. Still he's gotten better. Sure. I'll admit, um, and his defense has certainly improved. Uh, so he's, I guess he's serviceable, but that's not really inspiring when you're putting together a team full of 10 years worth of players at one position. Right. If, he, if he's the right back of the decade, then yeah, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, am I being over, you guys correct me like, or, or agree or whatever. Am I being overly harsh here or uh, not just on him, but just on our our right back situation uh, in overall for the last 10 years. I think the reason he's got in that team of the decade is because of the lack of competition in terms of... Yeah, yeah. Really no, I, I agree that, that he's probably our best option. I'm just sad that he's our best option, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think his skill set still isn't suited to being a fullback. Think the main things you want him from a fullback these days are good crossing and good defending. And those are two of the weakest areas of his game. But he has still he's got something about him. Yep. He always brings yep. his, his, always his passion. So yep. he deserves to be in there in some ways, but obviously that is probably the weakest area of that team. All right. Uh what about coaching? Ah, that's a did good they, one. Did they do coaches on the the official site? I think um, they named Ranieri, if a, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. did. They did have it up there. You agree with Ranieri? Oh, man. Uh, this is a tough one. That we got. What do we got? We got the Francesco's first year, the magical semifinal run that we talked about. We got Rudy's first year in Rome with the 85 points. We got Ranieri coming back and saving the team a couple times, the beginning of the decade, at the yeah, end of the decade. Yeah, almost winning so, it, right? And almost winning year. it. Yeah, correct. This is a tough one. Uh, Spalletti uh, had a had a good run. The second, he wasn't not as good as the first. 
time around, right? But well, he wasn't a part of yeah the front end. He wasn't. I think he was out already, and that was what led to the Ranieri run. Um, and then the the second run was only you know it was short lived. Uh, man. Yeah, this is Zayman, anyone anyone want to vote for Zayman? No, no, no one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still love the 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 kickoff when everybody's on the the front line to start off the game, and just everybody just starts oh, dialing forward. Yeah, right. Hey, there's no way this could hurt us. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That is a really really tough one. Um, I guess I can understand why Ranieri would get the pick, but you are in some romanticism in there too, right? Yeah, there totally is. There, there totally is. There's, there's some home cooking going on there. There's some like you know Roman Roma for the Romans, and um, yeah, I mean maybe just for for what a you know. I mean, he came close to winning. That that certainly is is huge. Um, Garcia is, you know, and, and Di Francesco are kind of the same, right? Di Francesco is like Garcia light, right? New new thoughts, new new ideas, new coach. Good year, not great. Or I mean, good, very good year, very solid year. Looking to build on it the next year, but everybody pretty much figured out. Um, you know what what they're doing, and then uh, you know. Yeah, they couldn't build on their previous year. To, right. to adjust, right? Um, Garcia had a phenomenal first year, you know, record breaking first year. Uh, but basically, last third of the season that year, and certainly all of pretty much the next year, they just couldn't couldn't adjust, didn't adjust. Teams figured us out, and and then that was the end of that, right? So nobody really had like an an extended amount of success that I can that I can really think of. I mean, who got the closest? It has to be Ranieri, right? Yeah, yeah, I think he was the closest. Um which, you know, ultimately may be, you know, why he he received the votes and I mean, I'm I don't hate it. You know, I don't hate that that he got it, but it just I always have a tough time thinking of him as like our everyday coach. He's always the guy that just kind of comes in and fixes our crap and helps us out when we need to. It just happened to be that not only did he do that, you know, the one season he he got us uh, as close, pretty much as close as we've been. Certainly, looking at the last ten years. Correct, correct. I, I'm I'm gonna take Ranieri. What do you think, Sambi? I think for me, what works in Ranieri's favor is the fact that he had the two spells both within yep. this decade that showed different kinds of Roma, different different styles and in similar circumstances in some ways, but he always had to deal with difficulties. But in reality, it was two completely different eras. Um, so in terms of getting us close to the title in his first spell, obviously we look back at that as a really positive aspect for him. And then last season, completely different circumstances really coming in to, to serve the team again. So yeah. I think what we saw from him was bringing in that stability and yeah. he gave us what we really needed at that moment in time. He may not have been the best coach in the world. He may not have had the most innovative ideas, but he was what we needed. 
and you could always tell that as soon as yep. he was appointed, there was a complete change in the atmosphere around the club. Everyone was was back supporting again, and there was someone to believe in. So I think that's maybe what swings the vote in his favour. To mentioned the other coaches in the decade. They all had equal moments of good and bad, which is um, probably what costs it for them. So for Spalletti, he got a record record points total for us. But there was always the underlying issue with Totti. And I must say that some of the football under Spalletti wasn't always the most enjoyable for me. But it's quite a rigid system sometimes. But it got results and some entertaining results every now and then. Again, for Garcia and Di Francesco, similar. They had building on projects for the future, but there were some flaws in their tactics and things that it cost it for them. So for me, Ranieri edges it because he kind of like sandwiches the decade. He was there at the, the start and the end with a huge gap in between. Yeah. Um, and you know, the well thing is, it always decade. seemed like it was a thankless job too, right? Like nobody really ever appreciated him or um, uh, or really kind of understood the difficulties of what he was trying to do. So I, I think it's kind of nice and fitting in a way that he gets this kind of recognition uh, you know, I, I was just uh, I was over the moon when when he finally got his his championship with with Leicester City, and that was really kind of great for him. I was it was nice to see the nice guy get the get the win. I guess definitely one of the most famous underdog stories that we've seen. Yeah, yep. across football, it's our only sport in this decade that's just gone. And uh, that's, as you say, that's absolutely not many correct. nicer people that it could have happened to. All right. What about, uh, we'll see if we can pull out biggest uh, bust and success signing. Biggest bust. Um, I got two candidates. Okay. I got, what do you guys think of Juan Manuel Iturbe and Patrick Chick? Hmm. Well, we might as well throw Perez back in there, right? Perez, yeah. I will see. <laughs> I, I, I brought out the first two because of the price tag they came in. Yeah, I, I, to me, of those of those names, um, that's a tough one. It's it's hard to pin something on when you have expectations that are larger than maybe necessarily the the player was capable of of reaching um i think the from a disappointment standpoint i think it's got to be perez just because he was the you know a proven player and just came in and just you know did absolutely nothing um sometimes less than that uh torbe you know he's like okay this is it can he meet and reach that that uh level that his talent seems to show that he's on a path towards and he didn't. Shake, I just think, was probably wrong place, wrong time. That's that's my take on those three. Fair enough. I think yeah. for Shake, the the problem for me was we'd spent that much money. We'd not broken the transfer record for, for a long time since Batistuta. And did we really need him? We needed a backup for Jekko. But after Jekko had come off that record-breaking season, did we need to spend that much money on a backup, or would we have been better going for for someone with slightly lesser expectations just to supplement him, support him? 
So that was always the problem for, for Schick for me. And injuries didn't help him, but it just didn't seem to be the right fit. Just not. I mean, you can you can have the sense that he might be able to explode somewhere else. He's, Rome, Rome is not his place in the world, I feel like. I think he's, he's doing all right now on loan uh, at Leipzig. He struggles with injury at the start, but I think he's doing okay since he's coming to the team over there. So maybe it just was the wrong environment for him. You know, it's, I, I definitely think so because when I, you know, did all my research on him when they were thinking about, you know, the rumors were kind of swirling and, and I'm like, all right, is this, is this a guy that, you know, I think would work? And it just never seemed like, it seemed like, you know, obviously he was, he played as a, as a nine, but didn't play as a nine the way that Jekko did. Um, so to get them on the pitch at the same time, you're, you're putting him now, in a position that that's not suited for him either. Um, and, and it just really, to me, it just always came across as a square peg round hole kind of signing. And then, and then, you know, as Sam B, as you pointed out, you throw in how much we spent for him. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the the need perspective probably came from, we're not confident we can sign Jekko at the end of the year. So let's get his, you know, uh, replacement in ahead of time so we can, you know, get him used to the system and everything, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it just seemed like a, a really bad fit and, and for, for that much, uh, for that much money. You're, if you're going to be spending that much money, it has to be instant impact player, instant impact player, not here's the guy that's going to back up the guy that we feel like we may lose. I agree. All right. What about what about best signing? I mean, there's there's a lot to choose from, and a lot of them are going to be the players that we've already talked about, uh, as far as uh, you know the the team of the decade and and things like that, because a lot of them were uh, transfers. Yeah, I'll go back. I'll go back to Edin Seco and everything we said. That's fair. For me, um, if we're talking about best signing, then I think we've got to look at Alexander Kolarov again. I think, what was the price? Five million euros for the return we've got. Yeah, from, from a that. value perspective, that's a good point. Great point. Um, the, the quality he's shown over the, the years that he's been with us and the way he got the fans on side despite his past early on. And Just, every time yep. he steps onto the pitch, he'll give everything. So from a value point of view, I think that's probably the best value for money we've got. Yeah, no, that's a that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, the the value the value piece of it is always super important, right? Like, I mean, you could spend a hundred million dollars on a on a player, and if they you know perform at extremely high levels, that's great because you're going to try and validate and justify in your in your mind why you spent that much money. But um, you always want to make sure you're getting the most out of everything that you do spend. If if you're not in the one hundred million uh, you know category of of organization. And so when you can go out and spend, you know, what basically is uh, throwaway money at five um, uh, and you get the return that you that you do, you know, that kind of return on investment is is just, you know, every, you know, general manager, sporting director, whatever title you want to give them's dream is to be able to, you know, whether it's a diamond in the rough, uh, you know, that, that nobody knows about, whether it's a reclamation project for a player that, you know, has, has been down on their luck or had some injuries. 
uh, and they're trying to make their way back, or whether it's you know Kolarov who you know had seemingly aged out, so to speak, of of Man City, um, and uh, you know wanted to come back to Italy, or, or we enticed him to come back. However, it worked out. I don't recall, but um, you look at that kind of value that that he's produced, and and I I think Sam, you hit the nail on the head with talking about how much effort he gives. I mean, he plays as if he's you know a twenty you know two year old. Uh, with the same fire, same intensity, uh, and the same reason why we hated his effing guts when he played for for the other team. So, uh, you know, I, I I applaud him for that, and that's why I, I gave you know Jekyll the same kind of credit um, for for his effort because you know the the worst the, the last thing you want to do is you want to look out on that pitch and 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 see guys that just don't give a crap. It's just so frustrating because it's like, you know, put the kid on my back. I may not have, you know, one one hundredth the skill this player does, but I'm going to friggin' try. I'm going to run. I'm going to slide. I'm going to dive. I'm going to do everything I possibly can. And so when you see, you know, players that don't do that, it's it's frustrating. But when you see players that are making, you know, millions and millions of dollars, uh, you know, for as for a living, but they're still playing the game like uh, it's it's a you know it's, it's pickup, you know, it's Sunday league, it's whatever, um, and they're going out there uh, giving their all, and, and you just you you love to see that as a fan, and he certainly carries that through him uh, with him every time he steps on the pitch. Yes. Sir. All right, let's go to uh, Homegrown Rock. Say it again. What you said? I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Best homegrown product. So player that came up through the youth system. Um, Lorenzo Pellegrini. Agreed for me. Yeah. Wow. Over, over Florenzi. I think so. I, I think, think so. Pellegrini. Yeah, Pellegrini, I think he's got the potential to become a better player. Than I, I agree on the potential side. I agree on the potential side. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's it's so just you're talking about what he with, on the last decade. Maybe Florenzi has done a little bit more. Right? We can help it, but you see the potential, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think it's fair. Um, Florenzi certainly has done just, uh, you know, mountains for the organization uh, as a player and, and off the pitch and everything. Um, but uh, looking at, you know, folks that, that have the opportunity to, uh, to have a higher ceiling maybe. Um, and who knows? I mean, if, if Florenzi never left the wing and, and his more advanced wing or midfield play, uh, perhaps, you know, we'd be talking about him in a far different light. Um, but you know what? Reality is what it is. And uh, put him in the, the situation that, that we've got. And, um, you know, Pellegrini just – it's hard to not notice the leaps and bounds this kid makes. Uh, and and is making, um, you know, certainly year to year, but it's almost uh, week to week. You can see the confidence and just the the understanding of of how the game needs to be played and and what's his part and all of that is is really great to watch. And certainly from a certain perspective, the same thing with Zaniolo, who has a lot to learn. I know he's not our homegrown player, but um, but you can see that same kind of like okay, I. I did this thing once, I got away with it, and it worked. I can't do that, you know, every single time. Teams are starting to pick up on my play. I need to do something different. Um, I'd say in this first half alone, 
Zaniolo's, you know, made the effort to switch to his right and put the push the ball across uh, the the goal mouth probably more than he did all of last year. Um, so that's just one thing that he's kind of learned, and and that just makes him so much more dangerous because now teams have to think about all the different ways that they have to uh, to, to guard against him, and um, that obviously obviously opens things up for for Jekyll in the middle and for whomever else may be coming in late. Um, but Pellegrini, I think, is uh, is a solid pick for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Um, any other any other topics you want to talk about? For I mean, it's ten years. Lots of uh, a lot of things that we've talked about: players, moments, um, transfers, coaches. Anything. Uh, do you have like a, a, a goal specific goal? I think my favourite goal uh, would have to be the, the one that Jacko scored against Chelsea, the volley. That's always going to stand out in my mind as just a moment of sheer brilliance that yeah changed our outlook on that game as well. Because I think were we losing at the time when he scored that? If I remember rightly. And I, I know it was. I know it was. A, it was either I think a tie or a, or a go ahead. I can't remember which, but it was certainly like massive, massive impact. One of those moments where you start to think you can get something out of a game that maybe a lot of people yep. don't think you can, and I think it perfectly embodies Jacko as a player, and uh, with what we were talking about earlier about how he steps up when we need him, and yeah. I think that was the pinnacle for him and. In terms of goal scoring, just brilliant to see. Such a great moment of quality on his weaker foot as well. Yep, yep, yep. For me, one that comes to mind right now is the rocket from Totti to beat Buffon in February yeah, 2012. Yeah, that, that, that one was in came, my head as well. It came from a set piece of Pianics that didn't didn't make any of the thing. The ball was, got right on the feet of Francesco. He had a rocket. No chance for Buffon. Yep. And the Olympico, yeah. Yeah. Oh God. It was, it was gorgeous. And it was, you know, obviously another, another huge game, you know, game changing moment, um, you know, just an absolute laser beam uh, from outside the box and just, you know, the, the celebration was certainly legendary. Um, you know, the entire team kind of, you know, running over and uh, no, no selfie, but it certainly, uh, <laughs> it certainly was a, a fantastic moment. Um, you know, I talked about the Balzaretti goal already, you know, that was, that was amazing. The um, selfie goal itself too was phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. What, what else? I think the, the um, Florenzi goal from the halfway line. Yeah, that was that was definitely memorable. That was definitely memorable. Um, he had a couple, you know, Florentino. Like, Didn't he have another one, one where he things. had a bicycle kick against Genoa too? Yeah, yeah. He did have a bicycle kick. Uh, yeah, yep. Um, yeah, I think there's just it's it's tough to kind of separate like the goal and the moment because they're usually kind of tied together. Um, like the goal is memorable for the for the strike or the the you know, the execution, but also uh, you get like a, a multiplier added on top of it when there's when there's a significant impact kind of um, laid on top of it, and, and there's just so many uh, wonderful wonderful moments um, that have happened uh, you know over over the last ten you know ten years or so. My goodness. A tremendous amount of, uh, of of things to be kind of really happy about with with what this team has produced. I know it's 
it, it's pretty bad because I know there's probably thousands of players and thousands of goals and thousands of moments that we're forgetting. Um, but I, I think that's part of the, the, the joy, you know, just looking back and saying, yeah, there were some lean years in there. Um, but at the same point in time, there were some really, really great times where uh, Roma allowed us to dream just a little bit more. That's what they do. That's their specialty. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, um, we can wrap up uh, here if you want. Um, we can take a, a stab at, you know, our thoughts on the, the last half of the season if you want. It's, it's up to you guys uh, where you want to take uh, the pod for now. We've been recording for a while, so Sam R has got a lot of editing to do. <laughs> we, can, we can finish it up a little bit. Uh, Sam B, how do you see Roma for the, for the next six months to finish up the season? Um, I think going into the next six months, I think we're looking at a Roma that are competing on three fronts still, which is great to see. Um, I'd like to see good progress in both cup competitions. And I think Fonseca realizes the value of that as well. And I think it'd be great if, because it looks like he is building something here. I think it'd be great if he could take it off, make a, a great start by winning a trophy. Much needed silverware. Long awaited. Um, <laughs> whether it's possible or not, just to see us go far, maybe reach a final at least. Um, I think in the league, we need to keep going in the same manner that we have been doing so far, grinding out results and starting to see a little bit of flair come through as well in many of these games. I think, depending on what happens in the transfer window, I think. We've got enough reasons to be optimistic. Um, the start of the season's been great, and I think it's only going to build on from here. Yeah, I don't see I don't see there being a big shakeup on this transfer window, this winter transfer window. I think the whole team is pretty much set. I think if we if we offload some players, we might bring some refill pieces, but I don't think anybody such such a big name or such a big star is coming this winter. I think no, it's always just minor changes in January, isn't it? but. Um, I don't think we need to change much either as well with the where things are going at the minute. Yeah. I agree. Um I'm pretty I'm same as uh, same with Sam. I'm very optimistic of what's coming. We're competing in three fronts. We have Coppa Italia this later this month against Parma. We got both Torino's teams coming into the Olympico for the next couple of weeks, so it'll be an interesting <laughs> month too. I'm just looking, like I said earlier, I'm just looking for progress. I just want to know that the team is moving in, in a, in the right direction. And, and I think if they do that, you're, you know, what the both of you talked about will, will likely happen. Right. So, um, but I want the, I want it to seem like Fonseca is, is progressing and understanding the team and the players and the system and the, and the league. I want the players to continue to grow so that we can at the end of the year be talking about how much even more growth Pellegrini has had along with everybody else. Um, and just that, that there's that it's, it's the building blocks. Like I don't need this to be the year for Roma. It obviously it likely will not, um, but I want it to be the thing that I am so excited about next year. Right. That's, that's the thing. I want there to be less question marks at the end of this year. That's the biggest thing. If we can, if we can have limit and mitigate the number of question marks we have, We have a known known quantity in terms of talent. We have a known quantity and quality in terms of roles and responsibilities, um, system, and excuse me, 
and, uh, and and then it's just about you know let's let's figure out what are the gaps that we need to plug in to get us to that next level. If we can end the season and that's the position we're in, I think that will be equaling a successful season for Roma. Agreed. You said it all. Agreed. Sweet. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Magicast. I want to thank the Sams, as they are collectively known, um, as of three seconds ago, uh, for for popping on. Sam uh, Bannister, Bannister, right, Sam? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, am I my my mind uh, going nuts here? Um, Sam Bannister, why don't you tell everybody where they can uh, find you uh, outside of asroma.com, of course. What are your so socials you can, that uh, people can track you on and <clears throat> find your Twitter yeah. ex- exploits? So you can follow me on Twitter at sambano one And also, I do have uh, my own website about Roma, which is called com. That also has its own Twitter account at Roma Yorkshire. So you can follow those websites and me on Twitter for more opinions about Roma and everything and trying to react to a lot of the matches and I'm doing some videos as well. So if you like that sort of thing, then you can find me over there. That's awesome. That's really great, Sam. Thank you. And Sam, where are you at? I'm just on, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm not the most active person in the world on Twitter, but I'm on Twitter. Uh, Samuel Rubio 99. That's how you find me. Yeah. Same. Uh, I, I used to do the whole Twitter thing. Now, not so much unless it's about call of duty super great uh, but greg c9 uh and uh, at la Magicast for the podcast where we hope to be popping out uh one a month i think sam we were talking about That's the plan. Um, to provide you you know more continued analysis and stories and uh nonsense and and uh tomfoolery that that we normally bring here on la Magicast. some new guests um, as well what's that New guests also we'll be having hopefully. Oh yeah, yeah, lots of lots of lots of guests, lots of new guests. We're gonna try to get some of the old guard back in with Julian and Alex um, to join us. Uh, you know, Sam. You know, you're all you're always welcome here. So when we know we're gonna be recording, we'll reach out, and if you're available, we'd love to have you back. Um, but uh, you know, we're the, the more the merrier. We're trying to keep the train going here as we kick off 2020. Looking back. 10 years of AS Roma. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.